So we are in the midst of a series that we call Drift, and really we call it Catch My Drift, and because that's really what we hope that you do as we talk about these different ways and areas in our life that we sort of drift away. And it's not something that just happens overnight. It happens over a period of time. It's a, it's a process that takes place in our life where we you know, find ourselves in a position and then next thing we know, we're, we're way away from you know, the, the truth or, or way away from the way relationships should be and, and how we should spend our, our time and, and where we should dedicate you know, our, our ambitions and our purposes in this life. And so it, it just happens, you know, gradually and we drift. And so we want to catch, we want to, and in the, in the, in the Hebrew writer tells us that we should pay much closer attention. And that's sort of where we get this series from. It's in Hebrews chapter number two and verse number one. He says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. And so what we've been saying around here is this, is that we must anchor our lives to the authority of God's word. We must anchor our lives to the authority of God's word, lest the ship of life drift past the truth of what we've heard. And so we don't want to have the, the ship of life drift past truth of what God has for us, the purposes that God has for us, and, and the life, abundant life that God has for us. And so we need to pay much closer attention. We need to catch our drift. Do you catch my drift? Good. We need to catch our drift, and that's what we need to, to do. And so today, today uh, we're going to talk about paying attention to together, paying attention to our together, okay? Paying attention to our community, paying attention to, you know, our gathering, paying attention to our church, church, what church church means. And that's what essentially what church means. Church is not a, a building. You, you've been in church. Many of you have been in church long enough to know that church isn't a, isn't a building, that church is a people, it's a people, and um, church can happen anywhere. It doesn't have to happen here at uh, Market Street Church, and the reason why we call it, if you're wondering, Market Street Church is because that's where people gather, because our address is 309 Market Street. This is clever, isn't it? You're just like, you're just like oh, I thought it had more meaning than that. Uh, no, it really doesn't. It's where people gather on Market Street. That's where the church, that's what the church is, but but we can gather anywhere. We can gather on Main Street, um, and we would call it Main Street Church or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, we need to pay attention to together, okay? Now, here's how the church, and these are maybe some experiences that you've had, but the church has really, you know, uh, changed over the last 30 to 40 years, and, and if you've been in church that long and, and have grown up in church in that way, you know, the church has really made some changes in the last 30 to 40 years. Um, the church used to argue about whether we sit in pews or seats, right, or chairs, pews or chairs. That's what the church used to argue about, and some of you, maybe if you, you walked in here and you're like, oh, chairs, I don't know how spiritual that is, you know, like, where's my pew, you know, and, so, and, and most of you hopefully are not, are past that. Um, church used to argue about whether we should sing choruses or hymns, 
choruses or hymns. And some of you are still like, man, I'd love to hear some more hymns. We do a lot of choruses, and so the church has got... Some of you are you know, we used to argue about choirs or bands, you know? You know, the bands, that seems so ungodly, you know? I mean, that happens in nightclubs, and we say these, these kinds of things. Um, hymn books or screens. I mean, I remember, you know, there was a big debate whether we should put screens up in, in, a, in a church, you know, setting, you know, and, and those kind of things. You know, whether the past should be dressy or casual. Uh, when I started uh, preaching, I would have to wear a suit. And the only reason why I own a suit is because it's sometimes required for weddings and funerals. Um, but uh, I, I'm, you know, more of a casual kind of a person. But that was, you know, always something that, you know, the church would, would debate about. Sunday school or small groups, Right? Remember Sunday school or small groups? Well, why don't we can't do Sunday school? And why do we have to do these small groups? You know, and then, and then you know, Protestants and Catholics started fighting against each other, you know, in, in that thing. And then Protestants would fight with Protestants. And denominations would fight against denominations. And, you know, we would argue about altar calls. I, you know, there's still debate about, you know, why don't you give an altar call? Why don't you allow people to come? You know, Lord's Supper, how often we should do the Lord's Supper, how often we should do communion. You know, we don't do it enough. Where I came from, my experience was we did it every week, and why don't we do it every week, and all these different things that people fight about. You know, conservatives fight against charismatics, and there's battles against spiritual gifts of the, or the fruits of the Spirit. There's battles over, is it the Holy Bible, or is it the Holy Spirit? You know, all of these different things that the church, over the last 30, 40 years, have fought with each other internally. They've argued about it. They've, they've gotten upset about it. Churches have split over it. People have walked away from church because of these things. Now, as that's been going on over the last 30 to 40 years, and here's what we look like. Here's what we look like when we get into these, these debates, you know, whether we should sing from the hymn books or, you know, sing from a screen. Here's what we look like. We look like a faith of rules and not a faith of relationships. That's what we, uh, we look like. We, we also look like it's about me first and not about others first. We also look that way. And we also look, we look like our faith foundation is feelings-based and not facts-based. And so we look in a certain way. All the while, all the while, culture has seismically shifted. All the while, culture, over the last 30 to 40 years, while we are in internal debate with one another about things that, in my opinion, and they may not, you might not share this opinion, and you might get upset with me about this, that don't really matter a whole lot. They really don't. God isn't mad at me because I'm not wearing a three-piece suit. He's not mad at me for wearing my awesome Nikes. These are awesome, right? I'm trying to get on, thank you. I'm trying to get on the preachers with sneakers list. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get. There's a Facebook thing out there with preachers with sneakers. There's preachers that are wearing, you know, awesome Jordans, like $1,000 Jordans. Well, I can't afford that. So these, this is the best I can do. But I, like, God doesn't care about that stuff. But all the while, as culture is shifting and the church is drifting, because we're getting into so many, too many internal debates. And what we look like is that we look like people that are just trying to be right instead of people that are just trying to be light. 
We want to be right. We think, oh, this is my view. This is my perspective. This is my experience. And the reality is, is that we're not being light at all to the world that needs light. We're, ca- we're caught up in our own little debates and our own little positions and our own little stances and our own interpretations and, and experiences. All of us are caught up in these internal things that's happened over the last 30 to 40 years. And the church and the culture has changed dramatically. And we need to pay attention to our together. Because here's what's happening in our culture. Here's what some things that have changed over the last 30 to 40 years in our culture. What's happened is now that we have now scheduled conflicts. We now have scheduled conflicts. There's now, on the weekends, there's people that are committed to, to sports things, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a part of that. There's now things that happen on Saturdays, but also, that, you know, events and, you know, activities and sports that happen on Sundays. You know, there's, no, there's now more traveling. There's now, you know, more opportunities to get double, double pay, you know. There's now more, and these are just some things that I hear, you know, people that, you know, take advantage of Sunday mornings. They want to have brunch with their, with their family family or their friends and they think things like that and we have run into a culture that have now we've now overloaded our schedules and 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 time for church on Sunday morning just doesn't exist and so there's a there's a a problem within church culture now I don't expect you to pay attention to this this is my job to pay attention to but there's a problem within the culture that the attendance is irregular it really is. It's a, it, there's because of this reason, scheduling conflicts. But I also think it's because of over the last 30 to 40 years where the church has been more focused internally than it has externally. This has been a problem. And so people have decided, and I don't blame them, people have decided to find other things to do. They've decided just to do other things that's more enjoyable than go go fishing, take their take their boat out, you know, go and travel, work work more to get more more money. Is there's been scheduling conflicts? Another thing where culture has changed over the last thirty to forty years is that people are self directing spiritual care. In other words, here's what people do: people they go and look for their own solutions to their own spiritual needs. Just like we do when, before we go see a doctor, we go and diagnose our symptoms on Google, right? You determine what you have or you think how you're feeling and you put it into Google and you, you try to figure out what's going on with you. We self-diagnose ourselves. We, don't, we no longer go to like, you know, Ikea or Pottery Barn or places like that to buy furniture. We look at what we want and we go, I can build that. And so what's huge today is the DIY, right? Do it yourself kind of a thing. Well, this is what happens within our culture when it comes to spiritual care. When people want to know something about God or people want to know something about what's in the Bible, all they simply do now is Google it. Now, you know and I know that there needs to be sometimes context to that. But because there isn't any context to that, and because they can kind of find what they want to find based on some sort of search, is that they just self-direct their own spiritual care. And that they decide what their view is of God based on what something that they find on the internet. That's what's happened. I'm just letting you know. Another one is, is that we have now suspicious and skeptical confidence. Because of this, 
People have Googled their own things about God or certain things that happened in this world and they're finding these things. And now it's, what's created is suspiciousness. They've, what's created is people that are skeptical and there's less confidence. 20 to 30 years ago, you know, you know just based on a position, of a pastor, let's say, for example, based on a position, there was automatically assumed authority based on a title or based on a position. That no longer exists anymore. I don't walk into a room and people automatically respect me. I have to earn that, and I understand that. But because I'm, I have a title of a pastor or because you have a title or position of something doesn't necessarily mean that you have their confidence. That's not the way that culture is anymore. We have to earn that. And guess what? And it takes just very, very little to lose that confidence and to lose that Trust, And so when people walk into these doors they're, and, they're, and they're unchurched or they're not sure about Christianity and they're trying to, maybe somebody invited them, you invited them to come, they're walking into these doors very, very suspicious and very, very skeptical and I don't blame them. Because for too long the church has been at each other's throats. For too long, the church has been debating and arguing over things that don't really matter. It's getting really quiet in here. <laughs> you know what else is going on in culture today? Just, just say, I, this is my job to pay attention to this stuff. I know you have lives, real lives. You don't have pay, time to pay attention to this stuff. But, but you do these things, maybe unknowingly or knowingly, but you do these things. But the other thing that's going on in culture is that there's the thing called smartphones and social media convenience. Did you know that people don't have to walk into Market Street Church and hear a great sermon? I, I, I was hoping that you would... No? You know what they can do? At any time, at any hour, 24 hours a day, they can find a great sermon because they own a smartphone. And so what's happening is, is that people are going, well, I can get a sermon. I can get a great sermon. I don't have to show up to Market Street Church to hear an average sermon. I can find a better one on anywhere that I want to find one. And you can listen in and you can get you know, a worship experience anywhere. You can go on YouTube and get a worship experience that will blow your mind. People don't need to come together anymore because they now have the ability to find what they're looking for at the convenience of their their own device. That's just what's happening. And, and, then there's no, and I'm, I'm glad you do that. I'm glad you were able to, you know, I think that's a, a positive thing. I listen to sermons. I listen to pastors. I listen to people. I listen to podcasts. All these things are positive things. But here's the problem. Those things are replacing this thing called together. It's replacing that. And I can understand why, because of over the last 30 to 40 years and all the internal fighting that's been going on, I wouldn't want to be a part of that together either. And what's, what's happening in our culture is this, last one and I'm done. They simply don't see the value. They simply don't see the value. The mission isn't, isn't clear. 
We live in a culture today that people, you know, value purpose. People value meaning. People want something of substance. That's just the way that we are. It's the way that people are. And if they don't see value in coming together, they're just simply not going to come together. And the mission just isn't clear for them. They're, they can find another great cause. There's a plethora of great causes out there. There's wonderful, wonderful organizations that do amazing things. Whether they're faith-based or not faith-based, there's things out there that really, really make an impact in community. And if they don't find that here, they'll find it somewhere. And so people don't want to come together because they simply don't see the value. And if they come and they show up and they think, well, that church, they don't have a clear mission. They don't have a clear purpose. I can find that somewhere else. And I don't need a church to find that. So for us, stepping into a Christian community needs to be compelling. Stepping into a Christian community, it should be clear and compelling. Enough for people to say, this is different. This is, this is unlike anything I can find anywhere in culture, anywhere in society. This is unique. And so for us, our ambition should be, we should be, want to be compelling. And therefore, we need to pay much closer attention to our togetherness. So why should we pay much closer attention to together? Why should we? And why should culture Culture has shifted. Culture has drifted. The church has shifted. The church has drifted. So why do we need to pay much closer attention to our together? Let me give you a few reasons why I think that the Christian community is compelling. Why I think the Christian community is clear in its mission, in its purposes. Here's the first thing. Together is an unbreakable and unified connection. That together is an unbreakable and unified connection. Did you know when Jesus said in Matthew 16, Peter made the statement, Peter's statement was this, that Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. You are the, you are the savior of the world. And, and Jesus makes this statement back to Peter. And he says this in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, what rock? Is he talking about Peter? No, he's not talking about Peter. He's talking about the statement that Peter made. That Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the savior of the world. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's not Pastor Chris's church. It's not any staff member's here's church. It's not your church. It's not a board church. It's not a deacon's church. It's not a group of elders' church. Whose church is it? It's Jesus's church. It's Jesus's church. And Jesus says, upon my church, I, he says, upon my church, and the, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. In other words, Jesus is saying, no, nothing can stop my church. Nothing will get in the way of my church. No hurricane will stop my church. No earthquake will stop my church. No tsunami will stop my church. No famine will stop my church. No disease will stop my church. No persecution will stop 
my church. No hostility will stop my church. No army will get in the way of my church. The church, I'm telling you, for 2,000 years, the church has endured malicious, hostile persecution and skepticism for 2,000 years. And you know what's happening through all of that over the last 2,000 years? That this is a growing community. We may not be doing all right in America, but around the world, we're killing it. Do you know a third of the world says they're Christians? That's over 2 billion people who call themselves Christians. This thing is not an institution. This thing is a movement for the force of good in this world. Why? Because it's a bunch of people deciding, I don't need to be right. I just want to be a light in my community. You know, a thousand years from now, a thousand years from today, if the church is, if the earth, I should say, if the earth is still here, let's say a thousand years from today, if the earth is still here, you know what won't be here? What won't be here is Microsoft. What won't be here is Apple. What won't be here is, I don't know, Hollywood. What won't be here is Wall Street. What won't be here is probably the United States of America. You know the things that we find of value? You know where the things that we find of great worth in our life, of priorities and, and, you know, in our life? A thousand years from now, if the earth is still here, none of those things will exist. Why? Because no kingdom has ever lasted. It doesn't matter how powerful they are, how strong they are, how durable they are, or how much infrastructure they have. No kingdom of this earth will ever last. But you know what will still be here a thousand years from now? The church will still be here a thousand years from now. Our government is what, 250 years old? Our church is 2,000 years old. And many tyrants and dictators have tried to snuff out this thing called the church of Jesus. And they've none of them have been successful. Together, listen to me, together we are an unbreakable force connected. Nothing can stop us from that. There is nothing in this world that can compare to that. Together is being Jesus Christ. Together is being Jesus Christ. Paul talks about this in his letter to, his first letter to the church of Corinth. He says this, he says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. He's saying, listen, all of us, just like he's given the, the body as a, as a picture, as, a, as a, an analogy or, an, or a metaphor for what the church is to be. He's using the physical body. He's saying all, just like the body has many parts and many, many members to it, it's all connected, it's all one. And we are, together, we are the, the body of Jesus. Together, we are the pic, a, a picture of, a metaphor for the, the, the message that is supposed to be sent out. The, the, it, now listen, individually, individually, we can do our part, but together we're more effective. 
Individually, we can play our role, but together we're more effective. And each one has a different part that we play. And you may be an ear. And others may be a nose. And others may be a foot. Or others may be an eyes. Whatever you are, the point is, is that you're just as equally important. And without those, without the ear, without the eye, without the nose, without the mouth, without the, the fingers and the hands, and without the feet, all of that, is, it's just, it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to work. That together, together, we show a picture of who Jesus is. That together, together, we are Jesus to this world. And when we come together, not individually, not as we try to you know, do, go about life you know, in a solo manner and sort of self-care our own spiritual life, you know, not individually, but together is how we show Jesus to the world. He says, for by one spirit, verse 13, for by one spirit we are all baptized into, into one body, whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're slave or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. In other words, here's what's so incredibly amazing and unique of this body, that everybody is different. Just like our ears are different than our, from our noses and they serve different purposes. Just like our eyes are different than our hands, they serve different purposes. But that's the beauty and that's the uniqueness of our togetherness is that we're all different and we all have different backgrounds and experiences and upbringings and, and the way that we interpret things and the way that we see the world. But yet the church was designed for all of those, whether he, Paul uses the example, whether you're a Jew or a Greek, whether you're a you know, slave or you're free, whether you're a male or a female, that the church was designed to all come together. And there's nothing more beautiful then when we come together and show who Jesus is, that can't happen on a sermon on a smartphone. That can't happen through a Google search. That can't happen when you're away and preoccupied, you know, most months out of the year. That can't happen. That happens when, when we are paying more attention to our together. Together. Together, burdens are carried. Together, burdens are carried. Paul says it this way in his, when he wrote this letter to the church in Galatians. He, Galatia, he said this, Galatians 6.2. He says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ was the one rule that Jesus gave us. The one rule was that Jesus gave us was this, that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, that's my new commandment. That's my one rule, that you love one another as I have loved you. And he says, and Paul says, the way that we love one another, the way that Jesus loved us, was that we carry or we bear one another's burdens. That we, we decide that we're not going to be about me or be about self, but we are about others. 
That we decide that we're no longer to look that way. That we're not going to look the way that we want, you know, that we don't realize, but the world is looking at us in a way that people think, well, the church is about self. You know, the church is about what they want, what they think is best. But instead, we're now considering others. Instead, what's so unique about our togetherness is that we're now looking at the needs of other people. And there's lots of different ways that that can be expressed. There's practical things. There's things that we do around here. Did you know when, when young moms have babies, you know what we do? There's some group of people around here, what, what they do is they rally together and they assign different weeks in which, which uh, they families deliver meals to that family that just had a new baby. Because as you know, probably as a young mom, how hard it is to prepare things and to get the house in order and to get you know, dinners ready for your family as you're trying to take care of a newborn baby. But what we do around here is that we have a group of people that help with that. What is that doing? That's helping bear one another's burdens. We have in this church, I don't know if you know this or not, we have what we call a baby pantry. And every couple week or every uh, or twice a, twice a week, we have moms from the community, people that we don't know, people that have just been referred to us from you know a, a ministry in, in the local ministry called Hospitality House, people that come to this church twice a week, and we supply diapers and wipes and formula, but we also you know take it up a notch. We have clothes, right, Carol? We have clothes and we have needs, toys. We have all sorts of things that you have donated to. You have brought in diapers of all sizes. You have brought in wipes. You have brought in clothing so that we can then bless other families that have nothing to do with what they believe they don't believe the same things that we believe. They come from different experiences in life. But that doesn't matter. You know what we do? We just simply love them the way that Jesus loved us. And if they have a burden because they can't afford some diapers or some wipes or some formula or some new clothes, we help carry that burden. And the only reason why we're able to do that is because of our togetherness. That we do this together. I mean, come on. And we, and we help people with, with certain needs. We help, we've helped people you know, pay for things and treatments. And, and we've helped people move out of their homes. I mean, we've helped people so many, in so many different aspects. We've just want, why? Because we know that this life has burdens. Anybody can attest to that? This life has burdens. And we need each other. We need each other to come together to help carry some of the burdens that we all have. Now here's the thing that I want you to know. Here's the, this is something important that you need to know when it comes to helping carry burdens or bearing burdens with one another. Knowing we is more important than knowing me. Knowing we is more important than knowing me. Or in other words, knowing people, knowing people, not knowing a pastor is gonna help you have your burdens carried. Let me explain. 
if you are a part of a we, now I, I, this is what happens a lot. If you are a part of a we or a community, or let's say, let's put it more practical to our, our situation. If you're a part of a group, if you're a part of a team around here, you know what you're going to have a better chance of, of having? You're going to have a better chance of your burdens that you have being carried. And what happens is, is this, is that sometimes people that I know, people that know me, they'll contact me, but I don't know how to necessarily translate what their needs are or what your needs are to a group of people because I can't do it by myself. Does, it, does that make sense? I can't do it by myself. If all you know is me, the chances of you getting your burdens carried are much less. I'm just being honest. Your chances of your burdens carried are being are much less if you instead of if you know people, then your chances increase. I hear stories all the time of our groups that take care of needs of others, that carry other people's burdens that I don't even know about. I love it. I hear later that this group took care of this this bill or this group took care of this need, or this group took care of this treatment, or this group took care of you know, helping somebody move from one house to another, and I wasn't even invited to help, and I was pumped about it. It's not because I don't want to help. I have my own group. But I, I think, I believe, that more people can get their burdens carried if you are simply known if you're known in our culture today nobody wants to be known we hide behind things we hide behind social media nobody really knows each other you can know a lot about people but you don't really know them right so we need to be people that say you know what i want to know and i want to be known I want to know and I want to be known. I think that's the best together that anything else in this world has to offer. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And that's what the church, and that's why the church should be so compelling. Because every person, any person can walk in and be known. And the chances are, and I know you, I know you, you guys are amazing, wonderful people. You guys are incredible. You are the most amazing, nice, caring, compassionate people that I've ever met in my life. I am, I am better because I know you. I'm better because I know you. And I hope you're better because you know me. Okay, good. But the point is, is that I hope, I hope that you want to know the person better that you're sitting next to or you're sitting in front of or you're sitting behind. I hope that you decide, you know what? I don't want to just come and know Pastor Chris because I can't carry everybody's burdens. I've got my own. 
But if you get into a place where you are known, and people know you, and you know people, I'm telling you, you're going to have practical help. You're going to have emotional support. I mean, there are people in this room right now that really need some emotional support. There are people in this room right now or in this building right now that could really use you. They've lost people unexpectedly. They are experiencing the hurt and the pain of, of being, you know, broken up with or separated from or losing somebody that they love. I mean, there are people in this room right now that I know that you could use somebody and I'll be available to you as much as I possibly can. But sometimes you're going to benefit more than just me. You're going to benefit from somebody that knows and understands and has experienced what you've already experienced. But that only happens when you want to be known. And there's practical help and there's emotional support and no other thing in this world should provide that kind of care the way that the church should because we together are Jesus. Because we together love people in the same way that Jesus loved us. And that's practically played out by the way that we carry one another's burdens. Let me give you one final one. Together offers the benefits of healing through confession. Together offers the benefits of healing through confession. James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way. James 5.16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Confess your sins and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Do you know what's so amazing about this community or what should be amazing about this idea of being together? Is that this should be a place where it is okay to tell somebody, I'm not okay. This should be a place, a safe place for you to walk into and go, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm battling. I'm trying to work through it. And I'm telling you, this should be a community where people can come together and go, hey, let's hear it. I'm not judging you. Let's hear it. I'm going to stand with you. Let's hear it. I'm going to pray for you. Because we believe that prayer can accomplish much. This week, I was um, Wednesday night, we have a, a thing on Wednesday night where we call it Champion Kids, 
We also have Thrive Youth Ministry. So if you haven't got your kids at Champion Kids, you need to come and bring your kids to Champion Kids. It's amazing. We're, we're having a blast. We love your kids. We want to spend some time with them. Teenage Ministry. We have a, t- a couple uh, empower groups that happen on Wednesday night. So anyways, that's my shameless plug about Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, I was wrapping up and I wanted to try to help shut down the building. And so I ran downstairs and I just wanted to turn off some lights. We used the basement area, so I just wanted to help turn off some lights. And so I went downstairs and I shut down the lights and I started walking towards the door to get back upstairs. And I'm trying to pull out my phone, but I can't. I'm having a hard time pulling out my phone, but at the same time, I'm still walking. At this point, I'm now speed walking as I'm trying to pull out my phone. And I go, boom, and I ran into a pole. And it stunned me. I mean, I was like, what? You know, and I, I'm just, I'm, I had to sit down. Like, I had to sit down downstairs and I'm just, I, I can just feel like Im- immediately just boop, you know, like pop, like this, this, my eye just boop, you know, pop out. And I'm starting to think to myself, this is going to be obvious when I walk upstairs, like people are going to see this huge knot. And I'm confident in a couple days, I'm going to have a black eye. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I tell people? Because this is embarrassing. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what do I tell people? I'm like, I'm thinking, oh my, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I say? Maybe there was like somebody broke into the building and I got into a fight. Like I'm trying to think of different scenarios. You know, like the, the, the coolest thing I've been able to say so far, which is not cool at all, is like I say, yeah, you should see my eye, but look at, you should go check out the pole downstairs. <laughs> Things all mangled up. I know, it's totally lame, isn't it? It's totally lame. And I just came upstairs, huge knot on my eye, came upstairs, and first people that I saw, I could see that they were looking at it, you know, like, and you know how you feel, like, subconscious about anything that happens, they probably didn't even notice, but I could see that they're looking at it, and I just said, I ran into a pole downstairs. I, I, I turned off the lights, I was in the dark, I couldn't see where I was going, and I was trying to pull out my phone to turn on the light so I could see where I was going, but I was in the dark, and I hit a pole. And people were just like, ha it stinks for you, you know, like. But it was just something like, I just like, I wanted to think of every excuse or every reason to come up with something that was more cool. And I knew that I just needed to be honest. That I just needed to confess. This is, I was in the dark. And I was trying to walk around in the dark. And I did what most people do when they walk around in the dark. I hit something. And it's now a cause. And if you see, I've got like, this is, I'm just full transparency right now. Full transparency. I'm wearing makeup. I'm wearing makeup. Can I get more honest with you? I bought glasses, non-prescription glasses, because I thought (laughs) this would hide it. Aren't these the most ridiculous glasses on my face that you've ever seen? 
Should I have worn the glasses? No, these are ridiculous. You know what feels so good? It feels so good to just be honest. It feels so good to say, yeah, I was a moron. I was walking around in the dark without a light and I ran into something. I just need to tell you. Because I need you to pray for me so that I stop turning off lights and walking around in the dark. But some of us have been walking around in the dark spiritually and you're running into something spiritually and you can't hide it. You can cover it up. You can try to do these things to make yourself look cooler. But everybody already sees it. Can I tell you that? The people that are around you in your life, they already feel it. They already feel it. And the best thing about together is the ability to say, I'm not okay. I'm walking around in the dark and I'm really hurting myself. Can you pray for me? Can you encourage me? Can you walk with me? Can we have some accountability? Isn't that what's so amazing about this community? Come on, church. It should be. We shouldn't be people that are walking in the church going, hey, how's it going? It's going, going good? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I'm perfectly fine. Is that makeup on your face? No, that isn't makeup on my face. Yes. Let's take off the mask. What do you say? Let's stop walking into this place. Let's stop com coming together and putting on a facade and putting on a mask that everything's okay. Because listen, I live in this life too. And sometimes things are just not okay. And it is okay to not be okay. Anybody help me here? Anybody? Right? Thank you. It's okay. And this is messy. Can I tell you that? This is absolutely messy. But I just want to show you that this is a beautiful thing. But I'm telling you, it's worth getting your hands dirty about. It's worth getting messy about. Come on, guys. It's worth that. Because, man, I'm telling you, Michael, I see that we're different. I see that we're not alike. But I just want you to know, brother, that I'm with you. And I don't know, I haven't experienced the things that you experienced. I haven't lived with the things that you've lived with. But I just want you to know that I love you. And I'm with you. And if I know that this life can be hard and this life can be discouraging. But I just want you to know that I'm with you with it. Chris, I see that you got some burdens that you're carrying. I see that you got your, your, your shoulders are heavy and you're, you got this load that you're trying to unload. But I just want you to know, my friend, that I'm with you and I love you and I'm going to carry your burdens. We're going to be together on this. We're going to walk with this together. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be with you. If you need anything at all, Chris, I'm telling you, we're going to get messy together in this because we know that together we're better together. Right, Chris? Right? Mason, 
I see that you're carrying around some stuff, man. And I just want you to know that whatever it is that's going on in your life, wherever it is that you're walking around in the dark in, that, I, that you can confess to me and you can tell me. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to be critical towards you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And if you need to call somebody, you can call me. If you need a shoulder to cry on, you can cry on my shoulder. Because I know, Mason, as you know, that life is hard. Life is, is difficult. And it's okay not to be okay. But I'm telling you, this is, this is together. This is messy. But this is exactly the way that Jesus loved us. Right? This is exactly the way that Jesus loved us. And when we come together and we say, I see your mess and I see your brokenness and I see your difficulty and we're going to stand together on this. And this church is compelling. This is a clear mission for every single one of us. Stand together be known, be known, and be okay that maybe some days you're not okay. But we're going to stand together on this. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the fact that you've allowed this movement called the church. It's your church. It's your church. And you allow us to have a part in it. We get to be your hands and your feet. We get to be your ears and the nose and the eyes to a broken world that needs you, to a broken world that needs to see not us being right and not us fighting, but us being light. Us being light. And that we carry burdens. We carry each other's burdens. And we confess so that we can be healed. So we can bring things out of the dark and into the light. That we no longer have to hide and put on a mask or a facade. That we just say, God, we just are standing together, believing that you have the best life in mind for every one of us. And that's best demonstrated and exhibited together. I pray that we don't drift from that. That we pay much closer attention to our together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody.